First, before we get into the episode, let me say thank you so much to everybody who downloaded the first episode of the new season of Pitch Pass. Really great numbers. Really excited about doing this podcast throughout the MLS season. So thank you very much. And if you haven't listened to the first episode yet, go back and listen to The Athletic's Pablo Mauer. Really, really good stuff. Uh, interesting conversation. But now it's time for a new episode. Let's do it. Philadelphia Union. San Jose. Earth, DC United. Los Angeles. City SC, Montreal Impact, NYC FC, Seattle Sounders. Pitch Pass, your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. Hi, welcome. Most, actually all, as of now, all of the clubs in MLS have reported for preseason uh, training, testing. That's all out of the way. You're, you're seeing on Instagram, on, on social media, they're all going to all different parts of the world and the country to uh, start their training. So MLS season, if it was ever officially over, is officially back on for the 2019 season. And I'm excited to talk with our guest today. He is the longtime GM of DC United. Dave Casper is here to talk about DC United all the way down to hopefully we'll get in some academy talk. So, Dave, good to speak with you again, my friend. Hey, bro. Dylan. I'm thinking the last time we spoke was maybe nine years ago. Yeah, you have a good memory. I was trying to think back as well. I think it was here with you and Sebi. Exactly. Uh... In the bowels of RFK, I think it was in maybe 2012. The bowels of RFK. That's very well put, by the way, as well. <laughs> how is it going? Uh, well, actually, you know what? I'm not going to ask you how it's going. What I am going to ask you is because I figure you're a guy who would prefer to work behind the scenes and let the team kind of do all the talking as far as the team is concerned. But these days, you know, once the offseason begins, probably until the first match in March, you're kind of front and center. Uh, are you comfortable being front and center? Or would you rather let the team just talk on the field? Look, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, fans want to see the players talking loud and clear on the field and, uh, you know, playing exciting soccer and winning games. So uh, I think we'll, we'll stick with that plan. Yeah, sounds good. I like that. Uh, I am, just so we're, uh, we're putting all our cards on the table, I am a full-on member of the In Dave Casper We Trust group, uh, and that is everybody seems to sweat and worry about a lot of things in the offseason, and I always go, you know, uh, between Dave and Ben, they kind of get things done and they kind of put something on the field that works in the machinations of what the club is. So having said that, and I know uh, the Lucho stuff has been out there, the Assad stuff has been out there, my my question to you is, has the process changed at all in the new reality of DC United as far as, you know, we've got the we've got the revenue, people know we have the revenue, people, clubs that we're trying to negotiate with know we have revenue. Has that changed the process of how you go about recruiting players for the club? Yeah, I think look, our, our as our league continues to evolve, as our club now continues to evolve, uh, things are always changing. And you know, there's a lot more people going after a lot of the same players in our league, and there's a there's a lot of smart people out there uh, looking for players. So yeah, we have to we have to stay ahead of the curve, and you know we try to do a lot of proactive scouting uh, around the world. And you know we just signed a new technical director. His name is Dane Murphy. He used to play for our club in 2008, and um, he's been the technical director for Real Salt Lake the last two years, and has made some great signings there. We've added him. He's he's going to be an enormous help. Uh, and that's a, that's, a, that's a positive step, and it's a change for us because we've not not had a guy like that in this role. I think we had there's a brief period of time where we did, but not in the recent years, and that's going to help us 
um, you know, do more proactive scouting, create a larger network and a, lar- and a larger database because, again, you want to stay ahead of the curve and identify as many players as you can, even though they may be, you know, a year away from, from maybe being out of contract or – uh, like in the case of T.T. Rodriguez, Lucas Rodriguez, you know, we, we had scouted him in 2015, and we tracked him, and he became available this year for the first time on a loan. He was never available on a loan, but because we had done the work uh, some from four years ago, it was a pretty easy process. So, uh, But, yeah, things are, are changing, uh, Roach, to kind of a long-winded answer. Things are changing globally. Things are changing with our club and our processes. We have new ownership this year with Steve Kaplan, and he and Jason Levin are, are heavy engaged in the, you know, player personnel process, which is which is terrific. Um, so yeah, we're uh, we're trying to to be better all the time and uh, and stay ahead of the curve, as I say. If we uh, if we could all be fantasy GMs, the the thing is, we we would love to just have money to go and spend. Is it more fun? When you've got, when you know you've got a little more money to go after a different type of player, or or did you really enjoy working on that budget and and trying to unearth hidden gems that other clubs weren't aware of? There's real fun uh, in finding value and, and finding players that um, you know can do the job for for a lot less, and and that's what we will continue to to be an organization to strive to do. To be quite frank, because at the end of the day, we're we're still in a salary cap environment. Uh, in Major League Soccer, you still have to be cap compliant. Um, now, you, we, we may have some more resources to go out and spend on the top end of our roster, but you still need to always reload and find young talent, whether it's through your academy, the college system, uh, young internationals, uh, and you still have to shop for value. And quite frankly, uh, I really enjoy doing that. You alluded to the fact that you had had eyes on T.T. Rodriguez uh, as far back as 2015. Um, the I'm 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 assuming just because maybe those types of players weren't available to you in the past, you did do your due diligence and you did have lists together, um, so that you know you were always known as a guy who could find stuff in the draft. Um, is it is it kind of a situation now where you also want to be known as a guy who can also find value overseas, even though you weren't really able to do it before? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we used to find. <clears throat> We used to go into every season, into every draft, saying we, we got to get a we got to get a starter out of the draft. And now it's more we've got to find a prospect mm-hmm. who can maybe uh, maybe develop into a starter or develop into a player who can give quality minutes to the team. But uh, yeah, look, I think the whole internet finding signing international players is a tricky one. I think I think the league did a study, and you know, sixty percent of the international players that come into our league actually don't fail. They don't stick for any period of, of you know any long period of time, so it is tricky because there's always a period of acclimation. Um, you, you don't know how the player is going to be in, in a new culture, speaking a different language, so it's a little bit tricky. Um, you know, I'd like to think we've done a pretty good job uh, in recent years with inter, you know with our international uh, signings. Um, Given that we have spent more on scouting uh, in the past few years, and certainly with with a guy like a Dane Murphy now, uh, we're only going to be, you know, sharper and smarter in that space. So, yeah, of course, uh, you know, international recruiting is the name of the game in, in world soccer, and uh, we want to have top internationals here. Um, I said I wasn't going to mention the Assad thing. I don't. I am not going to. I feel like it's, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and if it's not, it's not. What I do want to ask you though is. What is there a different set of uh, hurdles 
to jump over when negotiating with South American clubs? Because uh, it feels like these kind of things and this this long drawn out process uh, takes place typically with South American clubs. Is it something that's that's inherent to South American clubs, or do you find that happens no matter who you're negotiating with? I think it's a, I think it's a little it's a little more complicated in South America because they are um, that's their business is to develop players and, and sell players. Um, Brazil, Argentina are two, two of the biggest factories in the world in terms of producing talent and exporting it. And because there is many clubs in many different leagues looking for the same talent, uh, there's just added steps, you know, in the process and uh, deals take take more time. Quite frankly. What do you do to unwind? Because if it was me and these protracted negotiations and then you leave that and go right into another protracted negotiations for a short-tempered, fiery person like myself, I don't know what I would do. So what do you do then to decompress after having these conversations when you want to ram your head into a wall? (laughs) In summertime, I I grow uh, heirloom tomatoes and spend time in, in the yard. And of course, with my kids, you know, um, that's the first thing I do when I get home. And uh, uh, to me, that's how I want is to, to hang out with my kids. You know, people will tell you that there's no negotiation with gardening, but you do have to negotiate with with plants and vegetables that you're growing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I want to ask you about the the hierarchy, not of the front office, but as far as what we can expect on field with with Loudon United coming on board. We've got a an MLS first team. Uh, we've got a USL team, and then of course we've got the the DC United Academy. What is the plan to to kind of implement a DC United philosophy, and how will it trickle down through all of those different levels as as a kid matriculates through DC United's program? Yeah, it starts with uh, you know uh, our philosophy and identity and, and how we want to play. Um, you know, and we want to we want to have a profile that stays the same uh, from level to level, and, and the types of players that we're looking to find, and the types of players that we're looking to develop, um, so that we can develop more players for our first team. I think we've done a a good job uh, in our academy. Uh, I think. An opportunity like Loudoun United uh, creates a you know a bigger pathway where we can now develop players quicker. Um, you know, there are some players, uh, young talent, they they explode right away and they get in the first team right away. Other players take a little more time, and those are the players that you want to uh, you want to get the the USL minutes for. Um, we can also play academy kids in those professional games, which is which is terrific because we can put them in when we think they're ready and, and see how they react. And there's nothing, nothing like a real game uh, to test young players and, and see where they're at. So uh, it's a tremendous uh, uh, step, big step in our in our creating our uh, bigger soccer infrastructure. Um, obviously, the training facilities, this is going to be one of the only, I think, where else Salt Lake is the only other MLS team that will have a USL stadium and, and their training facility and training headquarters all on one campus. So uh, it, it's going to be quite exciting and, and quite a big uh, opportunity for us to, to continue developing more better players. I want to ask you about the training facility, but I just want to make sure that I'm clear, um, and I, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer, but are, are you saying that there, there really isn't going to be an implementation like an Ajax type thing where this is how we play, and so now we'll play from here all the way down to the 11-year-olds? Or is it more like, look, they're going to play in a system that works for, for kids, and if they show talent, we'll bring them into Loudoun United, and if they show there, we'll bring them into DC United, but it's not a we play this formation all the way down the line and be rigid to that system? I think you have to give flexibility. Um, 
you know, the, the players will dictate the system. Um, you know, I, I think we'll probably as a club, we'll always start with four to back, um, you know, and, and we we'll want all our teams to play four to back. And from there, it's going to, again, depend on the talent. I think the closer you get to your first team, and i.e., example, the, the USL team, that's, what you, that's maybe really where you want to mirror what the first team does. But as you get farther down, uh, you know, into the younger age groups, um, there's got to be a lot of, a lot of uh, a leeway and flexibility with, with, with young talent and, and how they're developed and, and systems of play. You brought up Dane Murphy, and um, you know the, there's been people alluding to Dane Murphy being on United staff. It, it became official not too long ago. Uh, you brought up some of the things that he's doing as far as the international scouting is concerned. Would that be his area of uh, expertise as well, as kind of evaluating how United plays from the academy all the way up to the first team? Yes, um, he's going to have a, a big role with the USL team in, in making sure that things are properly integrated um, between the academy and, and uh, between our, our USL team and the first team and, and all the staff that goes along with those teams. And uh, so it will be, you know, a big part of his job description is to make sure that the, the communication is good, the, the philosophy is, is staying the same, and, and the flow is good. I'll throw you a softball as we pivot to, to Loudoun United specifically um a lot of people you know looking at it okay well the season starts in x amount of weeks and we have a lot of holes to fill um what is the timetable for loud united to be functional as a club that can play soccer in usl well we we start in uh i guess less than 40 days we will have our preseason starting in about two weeks time we will be announcing our coach um, probably early next week. We have been working behind the scenes on, on, on the players. Um, a lot of the players will come from our first team. They'll come from young international players that, that, that Dane has been scouting and, and we've been working on. Um, we've got a couple of draft picks uh, who are in with the first team now that, quite frankly, could get offered spots on, on Loudon. On Loudon. There's no shortage of players, um, you know, good players out there. So it will all come together very quickly. If you could pick a MLS club that has a USL team to kind of say this is the path we at least want to start down, who would you go? What would you go for? Are you looking to compete and and win at Loudoun United, or are you looking to do like the TFC thing where it's just kids, or is it a New York Red Bulls thing where we're looking to blood talented players, surround them with veterans, and hope that they're successful there, so they have that mentality coming into the first team. Yeah, I, I, the, the last time somebody asked me that question, I named a franchise, and then the next thing I, I read the next day in the paper was, "We want to be the like we want to yeah. aspire to be this organization." So I'm actually not going to name any names this time, Roach. Okay. Um, but but, but what, um, what would be the overlying philosophy for Loud United as far as its usefulness to DC United, the organization? I think it's going to be a little bit of a hybrid where. Um, you know, I, I feel strongly that that team needs to have some, some veteran players on it to help to build the culture and help the young talent along. Um, there will be players from, you know, certainly players who are under contract with DC United who get loaned down. There'll be young international talent. It'll kind of be a hybrid. Um, of course, we want to compete. You know, learning to compete and winning is part of player development. So that's important. We're not just going to throw a bunch of under-16 kids out there. Mm-hmm. Um just say go go at it because that's not developed. That's not doing anybody any good. So we're not going to aspire to that. Uh, but we will look for young talent. You know, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old players that we think 
can develop into pros. Uh, and again, mix those, mix that with um, some seasoned veterans who can help guide them along. So let's talk about the training center. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the club, so I like juicy things that I can get excited about. We've heard about the training center being built in Loudoun County, but we have heard very little uh, about the, the kind of goodies that would be inside the training center that, that get people kind of jazzed to go, ooh, first-class organization. So uh, how far along in the blueprint process are we to kind of seeing what the, the layout of the training center is going to look like? And can you give me one or two sexy things that are going to be in there, like a barber shop that people can go, wow, that's awesome. Wow, that's that's you. You really put me on the spot here about the barber shop. Well, I mean, um, look, I don't want to put any pressure, but people got to get their hair cut, Dave. <laughs> um, it's going to be uh, state of the art. We're going to have a, a a terrific sports performance area um, to, that our young players and the players on our first team and Loud United can go and get stronger and get quicker and more powerful. Uh, so all state state of the art equipment. Um, we plan on, you know, for, for our academy players to have great space and great great areas where they can uh, uh, sort of do their homework, they can study. Um, so I, I would say I would really point to those two things, um, you know, the educational part and having a little educational center in the training facility as well as just, you know, what the sports performance i.e. fitness center gym is going to look like. They're both going to be uh, very, very state-of-the-art and, you know, and, and huge resources for the club. Uh, barbershop, I'm going to have to throw that one to Benny. That's, that's in his area. So He does need to get his hair cut he... pretty often. That guy grows hair like nobody's business. <laughs> so, uh, you know, long-term question in a short-term question. Is there a plan at some point to have some sort of housing there for the kids, that's the long-term version of this short-term question. How do you kind of make your way through the next 18 months where you've got kids who are used to going to RFK and probably live close to RFK to now then say, now you got to go to Leesburg to train? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, we have some great affiliations in, in, with youth partner clubs in the area. Um, so we, we quite possibly may restructure how we uh, carve out our younger age groups and focus on the older age groups just who would, who would be in Loudoun, uh, i.e. we may have a satellite uh, partner clubs uh, involved in a bigger bigger involvement with, with development of the younger age groups. And, you know, one, one thing that's, you know, becoming prevalent is, is online high school now mm. where, um, you know, we have several players enrolled right now who come to RFK um, and, and are finishing up maybe their last year of high school here, but getting the opportunity to train and, and be, get in a better training environment. So that's something we will look to, and, and that, that was, a, you know, sort of what I referenced earlier yeah. with the educational component of the training facility. You know, we're, we're in a different world now um, where, where kids, you know, kids are not all, not all kids are just doing the traditional high school anymore. Yep. They're they're doing a lot of online classes now, and that's something we'll look we'll look to to incorporate more as we get out into Loudoun County. You know, and that's something. You know, if, if I'm a parent who's considering DC United's Academy, I'm a little maybe like, okay, well now they're going a little far away, but. It's not like I got to drive you to Leesburg for an hour practice and then I got to drive you back to PG County. You, you, you could give a case where it's, okay, you get them here by 8 and then you can come pick them up at 5.36 o'clock. That's right. And we're also looking into transportation uh, options as well to help, help our academy kids. Let's talk about the first team before I let you go, Dave. Um, 
couple of players. Uh, obviously, everybody has covered the big names ad nauseum, so I'm not going to ask you about those. How do you keep tabs on O'Neill Fisher? As because I know he's out of contract, but I assume you're going to be following his rehab. How does that happen? Kind of in the in the day to day. Do you do you reach out to him once a month to see where he's at? Uh, and then at what point do you start thinking, okay, let's bring him back in and see what he can do? We we actually. Um uh, I don't know that we've announced it yet. It's it's a good. It's uh, you, a good are you are you going to break news on my dopey podcast, Dave Casper? We've 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 re-signed uh, O'Neill, and he's of course we're tracking him, and we know where he's at, and we we hope to see him back on the field in late summer. I'm going to tell you one thing, Dave, and I hope this this solidifies our friendship. If you tell this to Steve Goff before I post this episode, we're going to have problems. Just give me one <laughs> scoop, and that was it. All right, you got it. Thank you. Okay, so that's great news. So he's he's now rehabbing under the DC United umbrella. He's with yes, yes, of course he is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's that's breaking news. Uh, and the other person I wanted to ask you about, speaking of of defenders, uh, Vitas. What's the latest on his status with you guys? Yeah. So Vitas. Um, at the end of the season, we sat down and he said he he wanted to go back to Europe and play. Um, unfortunately, he never really got a chance to play here because when he was going to play, he picked up a bad hamstring injury that basically put him out for the year. So, but he was uh, he was intent on getting back to Europe, and, and that's uh, that's the, the, the case of Vitas. All right, we'll, we'll wish him well in his future endeavors. No, we will. <laughs> Can we? Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely, we will. He's a great. He's a great guy. Um, and then the last one, I think the biggest off-season acquisition, Ben Olsen's beard. How glorious is that? It's getting a little old. Uh, I think I got another couple weeks of that thing, and then I'm going to have to put oh. him in the office. Oh, because yeah, he did do the off-season. It's it's thicker than he usually goes, and so when I saw the press conferences, I'm like, dude, that thing is thick. Like Jiffy Pop right now. You can't and you can't carry that into the summertime uh, in at, in DC. That will not last. Yeah, I'm not sure I was getting away with that at home. Uh, but. <laughs> uh, Dave Casper, thank you so much for the time, and uh, I really appreciate you uh, you speaking with the podcast. And uh, hopefully, we'll catch up with you some point during the season. All right, Roach. Great speaking to you. And uh, uh, the uh, season opener is opener is uh, about five weeks away, so. For more show information, go to pitchpass.com.